So Mel, great to be in our log cabin chat uh, mode. Um, you're going to talk to us today about Novel Foods, the I am. one of the big traffic light issues, one of the big roadblocks to getting interesting, innovative foods, food supplements onto the market. And obviously Brexit is a huge phenomenon now. So um, you were at a Westminster forum last week um, and you're going to talk to us about some of the the, the challenges. So say you are a an innovator, um, you're used to say developing products in the United States, selling them into Europe. Um, you have kind of been benefiting from the single market. We now have Brexit. What kind of challenges is that going to pose for someone from outside the EU wanting to sell into UK and the rest of Europe? Absolutely. I think um, the big take home from the UK regulators that uh, were holding the seminar last week is that as of the 1st of February, um, companies are going to be looking at two registrations. Mm. So there are going to be two dossier applications and um, whilst they will keep abreast of what the European Food Safety Authority are doing, um, they have said that they will not necessarily be making the same decision. So an EFSA have typically been taking about three years to process an application. Is it going to be about the same time frame or no, shorter so that, or so longer? Or? That is really one piece of good news. Is one piece of good news is that um, they are saying that they're going to be processing applications in 18 months. But then, of course, you've got a challenge as well. If you're a company wanting to sell into both markets, um, you may get your novel food authorization in the UK um, in half the time that you hear from EFSA. And, and what happens if you get two different views? Well, that is the interesting point, And you can imagine that there were a lot of companies in the audience um, asking those kinds of questions. And I think you won't be surprised that there was no answer. There was an acknowledgement that this would cause a significant challenge for companies, um, but it was an acknowledgement with no solutions. How tuned into the fact that um, novel food is a big category? I mean, the, the, the definition has been around since 1997. It originally was designed to protect um, European mm. citizens from, from GMOs. Um, and of course, now we're seeing novel foods being applied to CBD. In, in hemp, it's always been there, but if you isolate the fraction, they're saying it's novel. And on the other hand, you've got some really, you know, lab-grown meats and that kind of stuff that are truly novel, insect proteins that are actually not mm -hmm. novel in many parts of the world, but are viewed as novel. So it's this hugely broad definition. Um, how much do they understand about the, A, the obstacle course that's being put in people's way, and also the, the differences in the health impacts. Should there be a different threshold for proving safety if something is patently quite safe, such as say insect protein, compared with being, um, you know, something that's been developed in a, in a test tube in a lab? Well, these were these were all key points for discussion on the day. And I have to say, you know, my overwhelming concern is that um, we really live in a nanny state in the UK. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the regulators and the subsidiary committees that work with the regulators on novel foods are absolutely hell-bent on safety. Um, and consumer protection and you know they so whilst they acknowledge um, that insects have been eaten in the rest of the world 
since time began, um, the fact that it hasn't been eaten here, there does still seem to be a real burden on proving safety. And of course, what I um, um, also realise is that they, um, they're also regulating what the insects can eat. Yeah. So um, you may actually not be eating insects that are eating their natural diet either. And I think this is something that consumers um, don't necessarily um, think about in the food chain. What, what about lab-grown meats? So lab-grown meats, there was um, a lot of discussion about that. And um, as a practitioner and as somebody um, really, you know, passionate about food um, and understanding that food is information and that our entire sort of physiology doesn't function properly without a healthy microbiome, um, the complete um, absence of anybody um, to do with health on these um, in the committees. There's risk managers, there's risk assessors, there's all the risk analysis going on, there's labs looking at things, but nobody is talking about the impact to the body. And um, there were, it was an interesting um, dynamic in the room because you had um, clearly representatives of companies there slathering to get their products in for the new. So you've got um, um, all the GM companies, biotech, yeah. Yeah. Um, thinking, way, well, hey, 18 months we can get our novel foods registrations in. And uh, of course they've changed the term, it's now gene editing, yeah. to try and um, get past hesitant consumers that don't like the sound of GMOs, but it's GMO. Um, then there was um, a representative there from Rethink X, the, um, the think tank forum, um, who are really pro, um, you know, food fermentation. And in their in their vision, they see wherever you can brew beer, you will be able to brew food. So they well, we're we're all into fermentation, <laughs> but there's fermentation and fermentation depends what you're fermenting and how you fermenting. I know because there's no acknowledgement. This is totally new. The body might not mm. know what it's doing with it. And uh, and I think as well, the comment um, from the representative from Rethink X, the senior analyst there, was, um, it's just food. Get mm. over yourselves. You know, <laughs> why be so emotional about it? Mm. Um, I think is a, is a fundamental the, flaw. The, the challenge is that the obstacle course in terms of the burden of proof will be set for the toughest stuff, the things that actually genuinely pose the greatest risk to people. And then everyone, even if you are an insect protein or you're a botanical from another part of the world that's maybe been used for, for millennia over there but hasn't in Europe, there'll be a, a, a very big hurdle to cross. Um, and, and I think the, the other thing that people sometimes forget is that um, the UK bureaucrats have been very involved in the development of most of these EU regs. So Absolutely. They, the, you know, the problems that we'd always foreseen that, that you know, Brexit is not an automatic solution to escape from EU rules, particularly not if UK bureaucrats have built many of those rules. They just import them and in some cases they may make them worse. But um, there, there is definitely an opportunity here for, for lobbying there um, is the, the 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 overall sense from the regulators um, is that there's no wriggle room. Mm -hmm. They are going to be looking at this to the letter of the law, and um, they really are going to be looking at safety, and um, they're going to be looking at economic impact in terms of consumption data, mm -hmm. and. Um, and they're going to be using that as part of their algorithm to actually assess safety as well and looking at any data from outside um, in other parts of the world. Yeah. So um, there, was a, there was a lawyer there um, who was just 
hugely refreshing, um, who really understands, you know, where we come from on this. And she also is calling for heavy lobbying. Yeah. So look, the, the good news is none of us are going to sit here lying down doing nothing. Um, there is a real opportunity to try and get some positive movements, some positive shifts happening through all of this. Um, we're going to be working, we're going to be looking at legal strategies. We're already going to be um, arranging um, uh, some strategy with think, some of these lawyers. And I think just before we finish, we should just have a quick word about um, the situation with CBD as well. Yes. Because obviously um, the companies selling anything to do with CBD um, are now in a situation where every single product that's on the market that's selling is an unauthorized novel food. Now, many of these people, um, as you know, um, selling authentic products, but they're small and they don't have the money to go through a licensing scheme. And the, um, the Food Standards Agency in the UK have said that any day now we can expect a report, um, but they gave away no information about how they're gonna handle it. Again, what all they're doing is enacting a decision that's been made by 28 EU member states through the Novel Food Working Group, where they determined that, that CBD was novel when it's delivered in significant concentrations and as an isolate. Um, and now they are doing what they've always done, which is gold plating EU laws and transposing them back into the UK. So, uh, you know, again, the bigger companies that can afford to go through this novel food regulation um, and authorization process in the UK and the EU will be the winners. But and there's the two and there's two in already with EFSA. Yeah, yeah. So there are two but but I believe that they are bigger companies and um, they are through the process. But you are um, presenting um, on the CBD summit in March, aren't you? Sixteenth yeah. and seventeenth of March. Yeah. So by then this information will be out and there will be more information to share. And we're also going to be issuing a, a report today um, analysing the uh, January 2020 EFSA um, report looking at THC contamination within CBD and you know the, 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 the whole picture is set to use THC risk in terms of long-term exposure mm -hmm. to CBD products as a reason not only to try and stop CBD because it's a novel food, um, but also because it may pose a risk, and uh, we think the science on that is 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 pretty poor. Um, but um, we'll be issuing a separate report on it. So I think watch this space. Um, there's going to be a big focus on novel foods going forward because um, from fruits and vegetables in Asia that um, are wanting to come in um, in ingredients for food supplements, all the way through to um, factory farmed um, meatless meat. Um, that's, you know, everybody is wanting to come in through this 18-month scheme and we will have uh, more to say and we're certainly going to be lobbying. Okay, thanks. Thank See you. See you next time. Bye.